0: Ennis. i'm carly chardonnay webb and you're in the transporter room today i'm coming to you from simsbury high school in connecticut where my youngest son just competed in a volleyball game the very first junior varsity high school sport of his entire life and it was a mixed result but i'm so proud of him he did a great job
1: oh the big question how'd the team do
0: the team did mixed results. <laughs>
1: Well, but well, but well, they did they win, up. lose, tie? What I mean,
0: there were lots of different games, and they, 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 they. I don't know how to explain it. And Liam is still getting advice from his coach. And I want to just compliment Carly, who prepared him for today by two hours of practice in the sun in our backyard. Thank you, Carly.
1: Well, I just hope it helped a little bit. I mean, he says nothing, it helped a lot. Well, great because no, no, he's a good young player with a good future with a bright future.
0: I'm sorry. I'm talking to the coach right now. Hi, hey coach, you're on a podcast. Oh, <laughs> so thank you so much. Thank you. There is a volleyball player in him. We're going to yeah, find him. There Thanks, coach. All the best to you. So you. Thank you. I'm so sorry. I had to sign him out. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I am so proud of you. Okay, I'm recording a podcast right now. So I'm going to talk to you about okay. the game games after we go through the podcast. The car out great, to the left. Let's great, go. Great job, Liam. Uh, Liam Carly says great job. Well, let's not just talk about my son and me. Let's talk about the news from the NCAA. It was really confusing, Carly, because it seemed as if the NCAA was pulling championships from states that are transphobic. Chris Mosier even tweeted that. All the organizations like GLAAD, TransEquality, the ACLU, they all came out with these great statements about how this was a big change. But you know, I'm not so convinced. Based on what NBC News reported, when they went back to the NCAA, the NCAA said, well, not so fast. We haven't made any decisions.
1: So the NCAA just Charlie Browned a lot of us. <laughs> they pulled the ball. Justin, we're about to kick the ball of equality. They pull the ball away. Thanks, Lucy. The Board Perfect. of Governors continues to monitor the situation, and they've not made a decision regarding championships. I mean, it it's typical of the NCAA. I take a very cautious view of it. In reading it, I take a cautious view. On one side, it's good that the NCAA is finally speaking out, and in a sense, speaking out for their pal- for a policy that they've had since 2011. I mean, it, it is about time, and the NCAA, they are a rather large bureaucracy. They move slowly, but in this case, they did move. But now the question is, where's the teeth behind this proposal behind this proposal what are they really going to do because you still have situations where for example in south dakota they have three events over the next five years three championship events over the next five years scheduled in that state and you have a bill that was passed in that state so and also, you're looking at other states like, for example, Texas that has multiple bills up, including a very heinous one that was introduced that was introduced recently that would basically say if you're an, if you're a parent that affirms your child, that affirms your transgender child, that's considered child abuse. Let that sink in. And and come on, Texas will, and Texas will host a number of championship events including one including yearly one piece of the college football playoff and that in itself is another question the cfp technically is not under ncaa auspices how will that break down because that's the money that and march madness are the money makers how will they be affected
0: by it and it's important to also note that sometimes the ncaa is an example that other uh, sports organizations like here in connecticut the Connecticut Interscholastic Interscholastic Schools Association, they follow NCAA rules, but not every school or college or group follows the NCAA. So it's really a question of are they going to be out alone on this or will they set up uh will they set a pattern?
1: Well, there's only one way. Only time time is going to tell. But the in, but you're looking at over, you're looking at something like in the area of nearly 700 institutions. Including some of the largest universities in this country are under the auspices of the NCAA. So, like I said, there's a lot on the table for the schools, for the NCAA, for a lot of sponsors and television networks. I mean, again, the two of the biggest money makers in, in, on sports television are college football playoff, March Madness. How will they be affected by this decision going forward? It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. What the NCAA actually does, as opposed to what they say, and that is the bigger—that's the question that still needs to remain. As, as our story in Outsport said, th- this is very scant. This is very scant on specifics, and we need and we need more specifics than just the statement is great. But it, this is the sizzle. Where's the steak now?
0: Another big story in OutSports this week, Carly, was this Sebastian Letgett. Now, he's a very famous player for the LA Galaxy. And he thought it was really cool that he called another player on the LA Galaxy in the MLS a puto. Which, you know, there's some dispute about what that means. But for the most part, we've been hearing that it means faggot, gay, queer, male prostitute. There's so many different meanings but let's just say it's an offensive word. It's a word that shouldn't be used at all. And what we are looking for is for education, to let people know that that's not a word we wanna hear. And you know what happened, Carly? We reached out to him and he apologized and he said it it was wrong. And now hopefully, maybe there will be some education.
1: One of the things that that there has been has been pushback even at the highest levels. for example, recently the Mexican Football Federation came out with the PSA fully explaining the FIFA policy on that. If you use that word, they're going. if you use that word, they're going to kick you out. If a whole crowd uses that word, they're going to suspend the match and then replay the match behind closed doors. If you continue to use it, you forfeit, you lose, you basically forfeit a match. And you know what? And guess what time of the year we're coming into the start of world cup qualifying for 2022 that is starting right now and the last thing you want is to knock your team out of a chance to go to the world cup because your fans are being stupid and fifa's being really serious about this they have closed doors four matches in world cups and other confederations so far they've done this before so they are very serious about this rule, and across the board, CONCACAF is, CONCACAF is cracking down on it. Even the Mexican Football Federation, not exactly the most forward-thinking group in the world, they're, and, they're, and their national team is cracking down on it. And LetGET essentially should know better, especially since LetGET is on the short list of, um, of representatives for the U.S. men's national team. Letgaff is very much in the is in the CONCACAF World Cup qualifying discussion and possibly if the United States men get to the World Cup into the Final 22 discussion. So, no, simply put, good that good on him for fessing up and owning up to what he did, but at the same time, come on, Seb. Come on. Nah, son. You gotta be thinking, especially when you when you have the crest of the national team. You gotta be thinking. And that is what that comes down to.
0: So Carly, amidst all of these controversies, I think at best, even though you're an athlete, we really need a coach to come in and tell us what's what, to tell us how we handle all this. And I happen to know a coach who's the co-chair of the West Hartford Human Rights Commission. She's an attorney and she's a flight attendant. Adrian Billing smith is in West Hartford, Connecticut. Carly, set coordinates and beam her up. Energize. Welcome to the Transporter Room, Adrienne. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. You know, it's important for us to have cisgender aff- allies like yourself, people who are willing to stand up and put their own words to the test to let people know that trans people deserve rights that trans athletes should be able to compete. Trans women are women, trans girls are girls, trans boys are boys, and trans men are
2: men. Absolutely, um, you know, I've spoken to you a couple of times uh, about the situation, especially when, it, when in terms of athletics, life in general, but, you know, athletics and giving these kids, giving anyone an individual a chance to compete in something that they love, when you start to take away and parse it out because of what you deem is, you know, what a sex or gender is, um, you start to re-isolate that person and you you take something away from them, something that's sacred to them. And you know, I'll fight until I can't fight anymore for the rights of trans athletes. I have plenty of trans friends, I have trans family, I have um, people who I wanna ensure get the same exact quality of life that I do, that, that I get to enjoy when it comes to sports. Because without sports, no telling where I would be. Um, great, I had great grades and, and whatnot, but like I'm known, you know, as an athlete. At the end of the day, and I, I just want to ensure that our children and our brothers and sisters are, are getting that 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 same um, right, because it's it's not the right of the um, NCAA, it's not the right of the NBA, it's not the right of the WNBA, it's not the right of to tell us or that we can't compete because of what they deem to be right. Does any of this
0: ring a bell in terms of when um, people like Martina Navratilova burst into the scene, when lesbians were asking for their own place in sports? It seems like the same arguments are being used just changed to transphobia instead of homophobia.
2: Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. You know, just (laughs) repainting the picture again. Um, Whenever someone different um, comes in or someone who doesn't meet, you know, straight, heterosexual, male or female, um, to a T of what what was deemed that, you know, that's that's what happens. These arguments restart about about fairness, about who can who can do what, and you know, this. I mean, this goes all the way back to black people playing sports. I mean, <laughs> together, so just as soon. And, and we were as black folks, we were stronger and black and, and faster and this and that. So we couldn't play with the, with the, in the white leagues. And then you get to lesbian women as you're talking about, and we were stronger, faster, whatever. We couldn't play with the, the heterosexual woman. And now we're into the, and it's like, but you keep proving your point that we can and that we have, and nothing has changed and the sport still keeps going, it doesn't cut off all of a sudden and we don't have, you know, um, trans people sitting on blocks one, two and three every time something happens. And that's what I I talk about the points, like people get beat, either you're good or you're not. And as a coach, I try to tell people, When we go and we're looking at whether it be a team sport, an individual sport, we're looking at more than just your playing ability, but we know know exactly what we're looking for in a player. So it's not going to diminish your chance of getting a scholarship because we know exactly whether it be time, whether it be build, whether it be your attitude, your leadership. There are so many things that go into a player that if I focused on just that, like I wouldn't be a good coach, a good recruiter. And, and I wouldn't be bringing back my team or my institution, someone to represent them, that's worthy of representing them.
1: First, as an athlete in your own experience, how much of what you're hearing in regards to what we're talking about into, and let's call it what it is, in the transgender women who are playing sports, how much do you, how much do you hear of this and you thinking, I heard this as an athlete? I've heard this as a coach. This is the same repackaged thing over and over again. What in your experience is parallel to what you're seeing now? You,
2: you do hear it, um, you know, whispers, but I think <laughs> being a, a college uh, women's basketball coach, there's so much, that, that there are a lot of closeted people in the first place <laughs> that um, we don't say very much out loud. Um, the, the Actually, the more outspoken coaches are usually the straight female coaches than than actually the the gay coaches in college athletics but um as far as with the the trans argument you know i grew up with um an athlete she was out of florida she ended up going to odu um and there was a big issue because uh she was comparable uh and if i'm thinking right comparable to the olympian the olympic track runner now or her testosterone levels. you were- castor yes so at we we all knew her, we all grew up playing with her. And everything was fine until someone got a hold of the story, right? And now, oh, she's too strong, she's too fast. She shouldn't be playing with women. Um, but you know, right now in this world, and I'm, you know, I'm not strictly into the coaching world anymore, but to see how the WNBA has taken it on and to see how um, some of the athletes have, Really supported the trans cause, the transmission has been so uplifting to me because there are plenty of non binary and trans um, individuals in the sport and they they're able to play without fear of, of retribution, retribution, excuse me, fear of, um, being outed. And I do like where at least the WNBA is moving forward with it and that, that whole support system. And they've done a great job, I think over the last few years on a lot of social issues that are, you know, taboo (laughs) to speak on.
1: Now also a follow-up to that delving into your own experience. You talk about support because Before you were a lawyer, before you were on the Human Rights Convention, before anything, before you were even Adrian Billing smith you were known as Ace. And I remember you. I saw you play at UCF. You were a bet, you were the bet. you were named the best freshman in your league. I remember you. What was it like for you coming up as a young athlete and also trying to come into your truth as a young athlete?
2: absolutely um so i tell everyone like i've pretty much been out my whole life i never even had to like officially come out so um the story that i always remember and and tell you know people is i it's my freshman or sophomore year at this point and some of my teammates didn't know I was gay. I don't know how, Um, but it had to be freshman year. And there was this huge thing that happened. We had to have a team meeting to talk about my gayness. And I was like, I'm like, what are we all of 18 at this point? I'm 18, maybe 19. I'm like, why are we talking? Like, why are we, I don't need anyone to pray for me. Like I'm good. (laughs) Like uh, my family is supportive. And we had this big team meeting and one of my teammates Just stands up for me as like, it's none of your business. She's not in here after you. She is your teammate and you'll support her. And that's the first time like I, I really knew it was this huge issue when I got, because playing, I just never even thought about it. We were just playing and I wasn't concerned. It was all of a sudden this issue with these athletes, but that's not the big part. That I can handle because we're all at that point, anyone in college to me is still a child. We're all children trying to figure our lives out because some of them weren't out at that point, right? It's when I was taken in and I was told to um, not be so obvious about my sexuality. And the people that I looked up to um, were both uh, uh, gay women and I just, that was such, that was more hurtful than having the team meeting and being surrounded. It was the two people I looked up to and thought, look at these successful women. And they can't even live in their truth because of this discrimination within the sport, within these institutions, with from their families. They weren't even able to be out. So I just looked at them and was like, like there's no way possible one I wasn't going around flaunting it two you have no right to try to send a child back into the closet a closet I never was in so growing up so then during the recruiting process and new athletes came in and and other gay athletes came in it kind of softened a little. But I always held on to my truth because I just didn't I my mom and my grandfather loved me no matter what. So I didn't need my coaches to love me or or whatever because I was safe and secure in that moment. But when I tell you if it was a kid that hadn't been out or a kid that was being outed by their teammates and that the people that they looked up to and thought they could trust with that secret, tell them to go back into the closet, how traumatizing that could be for that individual. Because then you have no safe space. At least I had some safe spaces. But yeah, and then and then going into the coaching world, the same thing of these people walking around and they're they're so closeted. And I'd be like, you know, I want a, a wife and kids. Like I want to, I want all these things. And it was just like I all because of politics when it came down to recruiting, because you couldn't, you might not be able to recruit someone because they already assume you might be gay. It was just so taboo. And I was like, you know, that kind of ran me away from coaching also.
1: one Also, one thing with that is the time when you did, po- when you played, because you're talking about the early 2000s. You're, I mean, your graduation year was 2004 and you coached out the mid 2000s. That's during the time when there was so, I mean, for example, the whole thing with Rennie Portland came out during that decade a number of a number of issues involving recruiting where people would be known as the where where if your program got known as the gay program people would use it against you interestingly enough ironically enough the the team the team that won the national championship this year was a team that has been perennially that's been used against them over and over again stanford has been considered the gay the lesbian women's basketball program in many ways, back then, how much of a thing was that when you're on the recruiting trail? how much yeah. of how much was it a thing it, it becomes
2: a thing right the way you dress the the what you talk about what you're it, it, like code it's now you're like in these secret words that, worlds of like you're speaking code to one another um you know you go to the final four and everyone's like, "Why are you at the final four you know it yeah it it's all the <laughs> all those things you're talking about. And it's, yeah, especially, you know, running Portland in Iowa, and I still look and go, you know, a coach to speak out and, and use that as a recruiting technique to get players not to come out, right? And go to speak to those parents who might fear their child may all of a sudden end up gay because they're going to college to play basketball. And you you use that as a recruiting technique. Now, what if that child is gay? That's all I could ever think. So I would try my hardest. I didn't talk about my family. Um, I didn't talk, you know, you're not talking about relationships anyway with whatever. You have to keep this barrier, and this wall up at all times. But if you're a straight coach, you get to come up with your baby on your hip and your husband comes down or your wife comes down and you get to have this different experience. But you don't get that, you know, it's just like when you watch the Super Bowl and um Giselle runs down on the field and kisses Tom, right? And it's like, oh, look at this beautiful family, and there are the kids. You don't you don't see that. You don't see that with a Don Staley. You don't see Tara's partner of forever ago come down on the state uh, on the the floor you don't see any of that happening and the coaches that were out oh it was just so taboo Georgia Tech's coach Michelle what is her name who was had all Joseph who had always been out who had children and had a wife she had to stay over here because if you hung but you would watch you know Mickey walk around with Pat and I'm not I'm not outing or saying anyone was gay in that instance but you would watch all these women walk around together and you would know because they would almost banish you to the side if you were too close because no one wanted them to they didn't want you to think they were also even if they were and it was just such an interesting dynamic to be a part of because like I said I didn't need to flaunt it. I already knew it. Like I didn't need to flaunt it, but I was never not going to provide one of my players a safe space. If they were coming out, they were having issues with their their partner. I wanted to provide that safe space for them because I think they deserved it because they had other issues to deal with of being a, a a college student athlete. And if they didn't have one safe space to go to, you don't know what could happen. And so many athletes come out so depressed especially ones who have been closeted their entire career come out so depressed and so lost. They don't know what to do. Hyper-masculinity happens. Um, um, you know, women come out and they go get married and they get divorced. But lots of stuff. Adrian, a lot of
0: people who are listening to this podcast can't believe that there was a time when this kind of stuff happens. But of course, there's still places in America where it does happen. Can you tell us what was it they gave you as an excuse, as a
2: reason why you had to
0: hide yourself, How you why you had to hide your true self?
2: I, I can't remember the exact reason. I think it was, I feel like it was for the program. I think they were trying to do it to keep me safe in some way so that I wouldn't be hurt by people talking about me or, you know... I think that because now they're a generation ahead of me. So they had to be even more in the closet, right? So I think it had to do with like almost my safety, but for me, it dealt with their insecurity, not at at the end of the day, but I think they were trying to keep me safe in some way. And they didn't want it flaunted because they didn't want that to be on the, the reputation of the team.
0: Well, we're going to take a quick little break and when we come back on the other side a lot more from Adrienne about her past about her present and about the future of sports stay with us
1: and we're back here at the transporter room carly chardonnay webb along with don ennis and we have civil rights attorney former atlantic sun conference freshman of the year and just all around humanitarian serious business adrian ace billing smith is with us and a flight attendant don't forget you're gonna see you when you're flying
0: put that table
1: up (laughs) and when you do fly please wear your mask Please. mask, mask please Wear your mask and do what the flight attendants say. <laughs> exactly, Adrian. It's good to have you here. I've I've heard you speak, and uh, it it lights my soul every time you do. Thank but Don, but recently, Don, you want to ask Adrian wow. something really important about a recent, very interesting discussion.
0: Yeah, that I you had. I, yeah, I was I was interested in having the two of you help this person understand. Even though you cannot compare the struggles of Blacks in America, the historic oppression, the lynchings, the systemic baked in injustice, it's not comparable to the struggles that trans people face. But there are lessons that LGBTQ people should and will take from the civil rights movement so that we can all overcome, so that we can have equality. And I don't think that it's wrong to lean on and and to borrow and to um, reference some of the um, successful aspects of the civil rights movement when we're talking about trans rights and we're talking about LGBTQ rights. We still don't have equality in this country. And as I reminded this person who happened to be black, who happens to be a coach, there are black trans people. There are black gay people. There are black people of all different kinds. We all come in many different flavors. And he just seemed to be so hellbent and upset that I was I was stealing, that I was I was taking away from the civil rights movement.
2: <laughs> um, let me gather my thoughts real quick.
0: It's almost as if this guy felt that we have to separate
2: the black. But no one Um, is free until everyone is free. (laughs) No one is equal until everyone is equal. And when, when you start parsing out who's allowed to be a part of a civil rights movement, then you are just as bad as the oppressor because you you're not doing any favors for y- your your family members your fellow black and white family members your you know you're not doing any justice to MLK to Malcolm to Bayard to Bernard Lafayette to Ella Baker to you're not doing them any justice by trying to tell somebody uh that they can't be a part of a, a, a movement for civil rights civil rights the civil rights movement that was something that a lot of people have been through. It was just coined that at that point for us as a black community because that that's that's what we wanted. But civil rights are human rights. And it, am I wrong, Carly? Like either either everyone gets rights or no, not everyone gets rights. And well, when, when you parse it out like that, I've you're heard just this. No well,
1: I'm gonna tell you, I've heard this so many times from so many people. Who say you're co opting our struggle you're caught wait a minute no 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 first off because you just mentioned some names right now and no no at one level no in in raw historical terms no trans people today are no trans people today LGBTQ people today are not going through the horrors of chattel slavery and the horrors of the Middle Passage no no but system but the systemic oppression that's been baked in yes and and people have to understand that and people that's the first thing second thing is there are black lgbtq people and i hear this a lot oh you can't be black no more because you trans. no i am black and trans correct and and right. the and and who start and and a note to all these to to certain lgb people want to join that lgb alliance don't forget there's no pride you know what started pride black and brown trans women throwing bricks at the cops Absolutely. that's what started pride that's that's how you got that's how you got here you didn't get here the medicine society did not get you here will and grace did not get you here if it wasn't for Marjorie p johnson And if it wasn't for Sylvia Rivera, there'd be no Will, there'd be no Grace, there'd be no
0: Ellen, there'd be no Pose. And you don't have to go back in history either. You got Wanda Sykes right now, right? You got so many other prominent black and brown, real trans LGB people who are out and proud and they just happen to be black and brown. I mean, there's no reason why we should separate people according to race, when we come to our community, if anything, though, I will say, I will say one of the things I'm really rallying against and I rail against is I belong to an association called the NLGJA. It's the National Lesbian Gay uh, Journalist Association. And they changed their name to NLGJA because they knew that folks like us trans people need a place, but they don't want to change the name. And you know what that organization is? As much as I love them, It's a bunch of white gay guys. And there are some
2: lesbians
0: and there are some trans people and there are some really great people who aren't white and gay, but there aren't enough of us, not nearly.
2: You know, when you're talking about the civil rights movement you're talking about, you know, um, a a man assists the heterosexual man coming and saying you can't co-opt. But when you, like what you just said with our own community the hierarchy, the hierarchy of it all. White men, white cis men, are the hierarchy of it. So there's, there's two things that are going on. Who might even agree with the man that you spoke to? Who would say, "No, we can't co-opt um, the civil rights movement." Not even just because they're they're seeing it from a completely different perspective. They're not seeing it from being a woman, they're not seeing it from being trans, they're not seeing it from being a person of color in all of those communities. You can't tell a black gay woman that she can't co-opt her own movement. You can't tell a black trans person that they can't co-opt their movement. It's it's our movement. We've been a part of it. We didn't, we didn't just appear in this world. We've been working in this world, in this movement, since the beginning of time.
0: Well, if you believe in Arkansas, apparently we just showed up. <laughs> apparently, LGBTQ people just showed up when Will and Grace came on TV, and trans people are still those men in dresses. You know, I know a lot of trans men. I know a lot of non-binary people, and they're just as deeply affected by this whole attack on trans women, we may not read about it in the papers, but trans men and non-binary folks, they feel it. They feel it because they know after they come for the trans women, who's coming for them next. Mm-hmm. You know, We are all with targets on our backs. And just because right now the trans people are the boogeymen and women and they're coming after us, the whole community is at risk. And I, I, I really, I can't stand this whole get rid of the T and the LGB that's that's just so foolhardy to me. I I can't I can't even begin to describe how I feel about it.
2: Well, I said I read a meme, I think the other day, and it says it has to be hard to be a black person in the LGBTQ community because neither of them support you.
1: Pretty much. There you go. <laughs> <I> mean, <pretty laughs> there you go.
2: There, because on, there you go because
1: I've written I've written at length on this, because on one hand you have you you now have an LGB community you have people who are in, who are lesbian and gay, who are cis lesbian and gay who who say that let's let's throw the tea under the bus so that we can get the equality act passed there are the, i know people who said this
2: it was the same for the
1: marriage right yeah and, and they <laughs> did the same they're going to do that i mean they did it for employment and my thing is how many times ta- eventually we're at a point where they're trying, if you look at the white papers, and if you look at the position papers of groups like the Alliance Defending Freedom, like the Family Research Council, like Focus on the Family. I, Adrian, the very groups that you're, the very groups that as an attorney, I know you've had to joust with at least a few times. They want all of us. And now this is their opportunity to, to get it. As an attorney, what i mean as an attorney get just on the strict legal perspective what is it, for the people who may not know what are the stakes of the fight going forward as you see it
2: what are the stakes here well i'm not going to speak to everything because i don't know everything but the stakes is when you start this is another thing where i say parsing out who can be a part of it you you start like don said you will start to Okay, you're going after the T. Next they're going to go after the L. Then they're going to go after the G and you we won't have any rights and they will outlaw everything. This it's the same with like abortion rights. They will they will dwindle it down to what you mentioned earlier, Carly. Um the law affirming if you're a parent in Texas. So, yes, in yeah.
1: Texas. SB it's SB 1626. And so. they and and on Monday they had hearings on it and you should have heard some of the people who were speaking
2: so this was here we are going if you're affirming your trans child child abuse if you're affirming your gay child child abuse if you're so they will take it down to the very bottom and we won't have any chance of any rights and then they will figure out a way to take marriage rights away from us any type of employment rights that we have and if you keep Kicking a certain piece of your community out, you are doing them a disgust, an injustice, excuse me. And uh, as far as legally, oh, it could be, it'll be horrible. It So, when, be horrible.
0: so when we went through your resume, we have the Chekhov co-chair, West Hartford Human Rights Commission, Chekhov attorney, Chekhov activist, public speaker, and flight attendant?
2: Tell us about attendant? tell us about being a flight attendant
0: in the COVID era.
2: I love it. Um, fortunately, I didn't have to fly because I took the time off as soon as COVID hit last March. They started offering leaves, and I said thank you, um, <laughs> did, um, smart I, woman. I did have to go to training um, last month, and I will tell you, um, everyone seems okay, but you see the people who. Um, don't want to put on their mask. He'll oh. do anything not to, you know, mask down here, this, that, and the other. Um, and I just thought, thank God they gave us the, the chance to take time off because I'm not the flight attendant who wants to keep telling you to put, because we'll just pull, pull the plane over. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're
0: going to go back to our
2: uh, destination, our original, uh, yeah, we're going to go back to our airport. original destination. And you know, when the government wasn't supporting um, airlines at first, with the mask mandate, you don't understand how dangerous it can be because those are those are unneeded distractions. There's a health issue going, you know, a literally a pandemic going on. And when you don't have the backing of your government to protect you in some ways, and people are already agitated. You're already agitated when you get to security, right? You gotta wait. So you get these phases of people, by the time they get to you on the plane as a flight attendant, they're already, They don't want to be anywhere on an airplane, even though that's why they came to the airport. And now you're giving them something extra. And if you don't have anything to deter them from, you know, yelling at you or striking out at you, um, then bad things can happen. And that's not what you need to happen on an airplane. And when you're putting people's lives in danger. So I was happy that I've actually I won't go back to flying till July. Hopefully. Okay.
0: and you'll feel like your family's safe when you are exposed to people in the airport and things like that. Yeah. That's the big concern right now, is that the CDC saying unnecessary travel should not be happening, but you know, people are Everyone's people,
1: you know, the whole family. Will I'm be not, back. I'm not getting on a plane. I'm not getting on a plane until 2022. And
0: uh, I, don't, have right no, I have to go say
1: that right <laughs> now.
0: No, I have to go get my two kids in June.
2: Well, that's, I got to go. claim you, And that's, yeah. you know, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Um, to keep, to to keep healthy. I, yeah. I myself, a flight attendant, and I've, de- listen, flight attendants have dealt with every germ possible. Uh, mm-hmm. And to, when COVID happened, that was my first thought, Don, I said, I have to stay home because I have to worry about my family now. You
0: made the right call. And Let me just tell know. you.
2: And, um, you know, I wouldn't have concerned parents to of color West Hartford if I didn't <laughs> stay home. huh? I'm how much did fa- having a family affect
1: you being a part of the coalition in West Hartford and speaking out the way that you do? How much did having a family influence that?
2: All the way. Because you know what at the end of the day my son and my niece are my number one priorities, my family and my wife obviously, but when and I And your mom? Don't forget your mom. And my mother. But you know, she raised me so she already knows how I am. But she, to my family is the reason for Concerned Parents of Color West Hartford. It's because I wanted to ensure that parents of color and allies had a space that they knew was safe for them to come to and realize that somebody was out there going, we're going to fight for representation in all these areas. We're gonna fight for a better future for, for our children and for the, the future that we do have right now. And I, for, I do everything for, for my son. Because I think he deserves it. Because since everything's happened, listen, my first year of law school was Trayvon Martin. Oh, oh. Okay. Did Tamir come before Trayvon?
0: That was before Trayvon, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. I have Tamir. Then I have Trayvon. Then I have a child. And I would cry. If you if you follow me on Facebook at any point, you would see these like stories of me just venting. I would cry and say look at me i have this cute little brown baby who's mixed and um everyone loves him and they want to squeeze his cheeks i said until he's a threat when he's too big for you until he can't walk down the street without being called a nigger all those things i think about every single night so he is cute he's adorable and he's handsome but I can't, I don't care because I need him to be safe at the end of the day. And I need him to always be able to come home to me wherever he's at. So I will fight and I will, you know, continue to fight because representation matters for all of us and for it and double down on him having two mothers. He needs to know that he's safe and he has a community that is uplifting and supporting him and his family. So I will always fight, you know, for those things.
0: Are you ready to have that talk with him that every black parent has to have with their child?
2: He already knows who Tamir Tamir Rice is. He already knows why he can't. Until last summer when COVID happened, he couldn't even have a water gun. He already knew. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't sugarcoat it. I told him. I tell him in, based on his age, things that could happen. Um, I. How old I, is he now? How old is he? he just turned eight. I told. Yeah. I told him. And I just tell him things that'll happen. He, We talk about current events in our household because I think children, when we hide things from them, um, they go into the world very naive. He knows who George Floyd is, um, but he also wanted to be a cop. He, he still trusts police officers because that's what you're supposed to do. Because it's their job to protect us, and I don't want him to lose that trust. But I want him not to go into this world, and uh, naively thinking that he's always safe. So um, I just try to I just try to keep him on the up and up for for a seven or eight year old. Um, but I want him to be a child. So COVID happened, and I thought, well, hell, if this is the end of the world, here is your squirt gun, and here we are in the front yard, and we're <laughs> going to play together, you know.
0: Here's the message I want every white parent to understand. Just like we should not be telling girls, "We have to watch out for boys," we need to educate boys. We need to educate boys to be better boys. We also need to educate white children to know and respect what it means to be black. Maybe they'll never know, but I was 8 and I was worried about Batman versus Spider-Man. I was worried about, you know, uh whether uh there'd be a Um, a Mickey Mouse character that I could hug at Disney World. I didn't have to worry about the world, the real world invading my imaginary privileged life. And I think that white parents or parents of children who are white or biracial or mixed need to educate all children to respect and understand people are people, you know? And Black Lives Matter and the, 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 the thing that really gets me more than anything is the ignorance that not all lives are equal, that there's so much inequality. And every time I see an all lives matter or a blue lives matter thing, I think those poor people, I really do pity them because they don't get it. I don't hate them. I don't get angry at them. I pity them for being so ignorant that it isn't that only black lives matter. It's that because so many other lives matter as a priority that black lives have to matter too. I'm getting emotional.
2: I'm sorry.
1: Not, hey, nothing wrong with being emotional, but the fact of the matter is a lot of this
0: country told you how they felt on January 6th.
2: Oh, I was at, they ripped uh, up, they
0: ripped up John Lewis's picture. I just found out about that last night. I did not know that. They ripped up John mm-hmm. Lewis's picture.
1: I am. Mean, we're, we're living in a time. What we're, what we're seeing here is all the cross-cutting connections. And again, and it ended and I find it very interesting to me on many fronts, the way that people are seeing this that that people say well like for example with all this anti-trans legislation that's going out there. And don't people realize that that this is also linked to what you're seeing with voter suppression? The same people that want to ride down on a parent for standing up for their child and oh by the way as by the way especially i mean skin folk skin folk and kin folk who may be listening to this uh one of those people is one of those people is the young child of a person that many of y'all cheer for guy named Dwayne wade, wade just let that sink in for a second
0: His daughter, yeah, his transgender daughter.
1: The same people that would want to ride down on him and even pass laws against him for saying, this is my child and I support them, are the same people that are okay with this voter suppression. They're the same people that stormed the Capitol. They're the same people who are saying, oh, no, big business shouldn't get involved in this boycott thing. And they're the same people that let a half million Americans die because we had to restart things and many of those I heard the I heard a statement earlier today on on a, on a news show that something like um something like 20 there's something that some like 20% of the deaths of covid were african americans and of and they they're saying there's estimates of like 44% of african american children in this country lost a grandparent or a parent to COVID.
0: Yep. And it's an equal in terms of both the vaccinations and the deaths. And of course, we're going to have a verdict at some point, maybe this week, maybe next week in Minneapolis. And, you know, Saturday Night Live spoofed it. But we all know from many, many years of watching these kinds of cases, there's a really good chance that somehow the jury will acquit. And-
2: Today's already been a trying day on top of the show of In Case uh, because they had another shooting. And- yeah, yeah. I yeah.
0: saw yeah. gun violence. Gun violence is, to me, another epidemic that this country just ignores. I mean, they said the killing of trans people was an epidemic, but let's face facts. We kill people better than anyone on this planet with guns. It's like we, we, should, we should like that our slogan instead of in God we trust is we kill people with guns. And, you know, I, I have to say, I grew up around guns. My dad was a cop. My dad showed me his gun. He let me handle his gun. I took shooting lessons. I went to shooting ranges. I can shoot, but I would never own a gun. And you know why? Because I'd be afraid of someone would take it away from me and use it against me. Or that my child, through either my carelessness or through their ingenuity, would find it and hurt themselves or someone else. I, I won't have one in my house. I won't have people who have guns in my house. Unless, of course, they're sworn officers of the law. That's a different story.
1: Adrian, there's there's a quote that you have. I really want you to walk it through for the people that may not understand. You say often, I don't need you to move a mountain, but I need you to pick up a rock.
0: Oh my goodness, that's oh wow.
1: What is that what is that rock that you need these people to pick up? Especially it, it right now in what we're talking about. What, what you write that? Is that, that
2: yours? now
0: That's my yeah, that's my <laughs> Oh my god, I'm I'm just I'm overwhelmed. That's a wonderful quote.
2: You know, I need you to educate, empathize, sympathize, um fight, demand, put your dollars out to these causes that need them. Um you, when I I I just need you to find something that you are capable, whatever your capacity is, to help the movement for Black and Brown, for the BIPOC community, for the LGBTQI community. I need you to find it, and I need you to do it. So if you got a lot of money, put your money into something. If you have good walking shoes, protest. If you have a degree in something that can help, fight for it. So. Take what you have and do something. Don't sit here and talk to me and say, oh, I just feel so badly about this. Oh, I just feel I just don't know what to do. Well, what can you do? do do? If you're an educator, demand that you see representation in your in your institution or your school building. If you're the leader of, of, of a district, demand that we start or start hiring a diverse workforce. Everyone has the capacity and capability to do something. I don't need you to try to fix me or save me or fix the world. I need you to take your specialty as a human being and get moving. Because if we start all doing that, then the mountain will move.
0: On that note, I couldn't imagine a better way to thank Adrienne Billing smith for her inspiring words, for important messaging, for the laughter and also the tears. I am so fortunate to know you in real life. And I will make sure that everyone has contact information for you on how they can find you on the internet in our social media. Know, Charlie? Yeah, we, need,
1: we need to have you back. And also, Absolutely. I, know, I know you still follow the game. So when we do our WNBA preview in a couple <laughs> of months, we need to have you back. You see in those forms.
2: What? Wait, yeah, no, uniforms are awesome.
1: Oh, my God. Yes, I love the great. uniforms. Yes, I do. I yeah. want one.
0: I love hey, it. Well, the on, on, on the day after this podcast uh, hits, tomorrow in in your world, uh, is the WNBA draft, the 15th. So 7 o'clock, be there, be square, 7 o'clock on the 15th, ESPN. We're, our, we're all going to be watching WNBA draft, and we'll yes. talk about it next week on the Transporter Room. And Adrian, end of the season, maybe come back and we'll talk. Uh, playoffs, huh? Absolutely. All right. Set coordinates, Carly. West Hartford, Connecticut. Not too far from where I live.
1: Adrian, thank you for being with us. Great hearing from you. And we're going to be hearing from you again. Energized. Thank you guys so much.
0: Did I tell you? Did I say that she would be one of our favorite guests? I mean, I know you know her, but I didn't know her the way I now know her. Because, you know, I serve as a secretary, full disclosure of the West Hartford Human Rights Commission. And she's the co-chair. And I've met her through the um, coalition as well. And she's a neighbor. And I'm just, I'm blown away. Blown away, Carly.
1: What more can you say? I mean, class is always evident. And class is always in session.
0: Yeah, no matter, very true. No
1: matter what is it is. And also to see somebody who's not only an ally, but a staunch ally.
0: And an athlete and,
1: and a coach. Yes. And who's out there working to make sport better within her community and making it more inclusive and what she says is very very true because a lot of people are putting together are putting the signs out there saying black lives matter black lives matter and that's all well and good but a good friend of mine who's a lawyer in who's also an attorney in west hartford also asked a critical question how many of you people who are putting those signs out are also taking that next step forward and demanding accountability for affordable housing where you live Mm And the accountability for educational equity where you live, where I mean, are you willing to take that next step forward? And that and those are the and that is the next And those are truly the next step forward. Are we willing to go from the go from the moment to the movement?
0: I'll give you one more. I'll give you one more thing to do. If you're going to buy a Black Lives Matter sign or a flag like I have hanging in front of my house, make sure the money that goes to. Black Lives Matter. Like I had to do research because a lot of these companies are just putting out Black Lives Matter signs and they're pocketing it. I made sure I bought it right from BLM itself so that Mm -hmm. I knew where the money was going. And if that's all you can do, if all you can do is help by financially contributing, that's enough, that's something. But, but make sure your also, money's going the right place. You know? Yeah,
1: but also for but also there's a lot of people that are riding that you know there's a lot of people riding the rainbow. But we know what the cup, what their favorite color in that rainbow is. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people now. There's a lot of people now talking about trans rights, trans rights. But how much of that money for that for that T-shirt they're selling you is actually going back into that?
0: Now, none of it goes to Monica Helms, who actually created the trans pride flag, which makes me sad. Yeah, it was nice that we had her honored at the um, New York City World Pride event i mm-hmm. was part of that i nominated her i'm especially delighted that she's a friend of mine but she never saw a dime from that
1: yes exactly and that's got to change and again i'm looking at once again i'm looking at the i'm looking at what's happening in texas right
0: now mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. got that's five next.
1: they're doing five bills on that are anti-trans that are it's trans- trans- yes transpaloo and Right now, there's a certain there's a certain proud trans woman from Texas who's rolling in her grave right
0: now.
2: Yeah, I, I hear
1: I hear Monica Roberts cussing from the grave right now
0: about this. Did you see that Glad honored her with the posthumous Blogger of the Year Award? Yes. God glad, bless. Thank God. Glad
1: is honored. Her. National Association of Black Journalists is naming a scholarship after. Yes. Her and with, I've contributed which I already, think, which I think is beautiful. Yep, it, I, I gave money like, right away. It's yeah, absolutely it's important. to see that, to see a, and a, I've been a member of NABJ for 26 years. Mm. And to see them take that next step for a, a, an organization that frankly has not been... Exactly, LGBTQ friendly. No, it had to be no. dragged, kicking, and screaming into it. But
0: Travel and Anderson. Monica, yes, and, and Monica is
1: one of the catalysts for that.
0: Yep, but tra- tra- Travel Anderson and Femi Redwood push the NABJ yes. to do this, and we'll have a link in our social media so you can contribute to everybody.
1: Oh, yes, and we need it. A- Anderson, we need you on the show. You got, oh, an, open, yeah. you got an open invite. Whenever Absolutely. You want to, whenever you want to get beamed up, we will beam you up.
0: So let's talk Star Trek. I saw two, two count them, two trailers, teasers for the upcoming series. We've got Picard and we got Discovery. Discovery is interesting because it seems as if now that uh, we finally got Captain Michael Burnham, there's some new threat that's facing the Discovery crew. And it looks like a lot of people are gonna die. But we see gray, we see different uniforms which hark back to the 1960s uniforms. It looks interesting, looks scary. I love the fact that we're going to see Grey, but my friend, my BFF, Maya Monet and I, we still want to see just one trans woman. Is it so hard, Star Trek, for you not to have one trans woman somewhere in the Star Trek universe? What do you think of the Picard trailer?
1: All I can say is I can't wait.
0: Well, it looks like it's I, time. I time travel is involved. They have an hourglass with sand going up. Yeah. There, There's, there's a Bajoran uh, uh bob that is featured in a DS9 episode that Picard has in his study for some reason. Time, maybe, maybe it's the temporal war. Some people said. I can't wait.
1: And and one more thing that was in it. What's that? And one more thing that was in that teaser.
0: In in Picard, what is it? Yes. Oh.
1: oh Q. John Delancey. You can I love never him. get enough John Delancey. No, can't get enough can him. Never
0: get enough Q.
1: Oh, um, and lower decks starts in August. Oh no, I'm looking forward to lower decks.
0: Yeah, that's August. That's going to be great. Um, it looks like there's going to be a lot of fun on both the Cerritos and on the Titan. Uh, so I'm excited about Star Trek. We've got a, and a new Star Trek movie in the works too. There's a lot. So, there's a lot going
1: on. But in the meantime, amid with all this stuff coming, what are you been? What are you? What are you jamming on now?
0: I just rewatched all of um, Discovery season three. And Picard season one, I just binged that, and I watched Wandavision. So that's what I've been doing. I'm still catching up on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm enjoying that. How about you? Um,
1: well, me, I mean, really, there's one show I'm really been been following. That's about for all mankind. And this yeah, past, you keep telling me about and it. it. And I haven't seen a single past, episode and yet. And this past Friday, the
0: no spoilers. Once
1: again, I, I'm not going to give the spoilers, but I will. But I will say this. If you haven't caught up to this season, there's a major world event still happens in this timeline. But now it, uh, but whereas it wasn't as big an effect in our timeline in this one, it plays major into what happens next. I mean, it plays major into it. And I'm also looking ahead to July because not only am I looking ahead to all the new Star Trek things is coming, the second season of Ted Lasso.
0: Oh, I heard everything about that. Yes, everyone loves Ted Lasso.
1: And in fact, well, the great thing is, is that Apple TV is signed on, there will be a a guaranteed season two and season three.
0: Let's continue our conversation next week. Carly, when we meet next week, I wanna talk to you about my interview with Dr. Rachel Levine for the New York Times. It's happening today. It's happening today. Yes.
1: Oh, you give Dr. Levine my best. I'm going to
0: invite her on the podcast, of course. And
1: please do. Dr. Levine, come on the transporter room.
0: Let's hope so. Harley, steady as she goes.
1: Live long and prosper. See you next week and good luck with that interview.